Hello and welcome to the Managing Uncertainty Podcast. This is Brian Strauser, Principal and Chief Executive here at BrightPath. Hello, this is Bray Wheeler, Senior Consultant here at BrightPath. And this is episode 172, where we're going to talk about the new BrightPath exercise maturity model. Brand new. So, so this came about because um, a few weeks back, by the time you hear this, it will have been a month ago, uh, Bray and I were at a client's location in New England, and we were facilitating a three-day real-time data breach, data incident simulation with that organization's crisis management team, a group of subject matter experts, uh, outside parties, third-party partners, and their executive team. Yep. And uh, really about two and a half days of exercise play. And this particular client has come a long way. We've worked on exercises for them for about five years. A long way. And they've evolved from drills and tabletops on more of an ad hoc basis to now this almost fully integrated real-time simulation that's pretty intense. And they devote two and a half days of time of cross 30 or 40 people to this process. And they were asking for more punishment and pain by the end of it. They wanted even more sophisticated by the end of it. So, But on the second night of the exercise, we had, we were at We'd gone to dinner with, uh, you know, one of our client contacts and then Bray and I were doing a little uh, post-meeting drinking and we started talking about, you know, how do you look at an exercise strategy and where a company is at on exercises and kind of tell how mature they are. And that led to us kind of sketching this out initially in just a few notes and then we kind of wrapped this up the week after the exercise in a conversation that we had and kind of put this put this together. And so we're going to talk through this. Yeah. I mean, it's something we've, we've always sort of talked through, especially with clients and in, in the way that they want to do exercises. A lot of times, you know, especially newer clients, they're always looking for, Hey, let's, let's do simulation. Like let's go for it. And it's like, Whoa, 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 slow down. whoa back up. And we sort we sort of talk them through what we've essentially kind of put down on paper, um, to kind of guide them from, that let's just do it to let's be thoughtful about it and let's build ourselves up, build the confidence up. So, And one of the things that we, I should say, even before you get to the exercise model, yep, we've had some clients, some prospective clients come to us and say, with no prior work with us, and their first thing they've said was, I vividly remember this conversation, I want to do a ransomware exercise with my executive team. Yep. And by that, they meant a simulation, which led me to my initial question, which was, well, what is the plan that we'd be exercising against? Well, we don't have a plan, and so the exercise would be to convince executives that we need a plan for ransomware. And I'm like, this is a spectacular bad idea that's going to get you fired. Yes, it is. Because you are not setting the team up for the ability to win. This is not Star Trek. We're not testing the no-win Kobayashi Maru scenario. We're not. You need a plan so that you can exercise the plan. It's not really testing the plan, but you're going to exercise the plan, and then you're going to determine what went well and what didn't go well. How do we get better? So. Yeah, the goals of exercises should not be to inherently break, denigrate, make degrade pe- people's lives <clears throat> difficult for the purpose of Making it difficult. Making it difficult or proving a point or something like that. That's not how exercises should be run. At least that's how we feel like they shouldn't be run. It's really about 
building confidence mm-hmm. and elevating difficulty over time. It doesn't mean you can't stress them, you can't make things mm-hmm. difficult, but it really is you raise the bar in a way that they feel challenged right. and it, you progress through. So the our exercise model uh, generally kind of follows the the way COBIT, the COBIT standard talks about maturity. We use that for some of our other maturity models. Um, but it starts with non-existent. You know, what COBIT would say is level zero. Non-existent means you're not conducting exercises of any type. Nothing. You're doing nothing. You are that person who's aspiring to do something. You just you don't know it. what to do and don't know where to start. Which takes us to doing a little more than nothing. What COBIT would say is level one. It's ad hoc. And by ad hoc here, we're saying that you're doing some drills and tabletop exercises because you should start with tabletops. And we would call a drill, drill is a tactical exercise, right? A drill is, okay, you're running a global security operations center and I'm telling you that there's a fire. What do you do? You probably have an SOP for a fire. I'm waving a piece of paper around. And your team would then execute that. Okay, that's a drill. You're not going into some full-blown multi-person crisis scenario. Yeah, I mean, think of the even just the basics of, you know, fire drill. Schools do it. Businesses do it. Mm-hmm. There's what are we doing? We're compliance regulatory we're obligations. Yeah, you're, we're, you're we're evacuating. We're assembling. Or it's a shelter in place for severe weather or, right. or something like that. Or you know, even if you've graduated to a run hide fight, active very shooter. basic active shooter type you know, drill, it's just, it's going through the motions so that when people get into those situations, they sort of know what to do. And, you know, if you think about it, those things have happened since people have been in elementary school. And so there is sort of a norm there to do those things, but that's, that's typically organizations very, very baseline. So we, we would define ad hoc as you're doing some ad hoc drills and tabletop exercises and maybe Maybe you have some metrics around that. Maybe. Maybe. Probably for compliance or regulatory, like right. bare minimum. Industry certification. Check the something. box. Right. And, and let's be fair. Everybody starts here. Yeah. Everybody starts here. You have to. The next level, right in the middle of our maturity scale, is an initial strategy. And we would define this as if the, we would say that you're here if you have a basic exercise strategy in place, meaning you have something documented that says this is what we're going to do. Maybe it's in your policy requirements. Maybe you've got a framework or an exercise SOP. Um, That there are some regular drills and tabletop exercises. And by that we mean you've set an expectation and you're scheduling these. It's not just like, well, next month let's have an exercise. And you have some metrics and reporting. And honestly, this is where, Bray, I would think, this is where most of our clients are. At first, they're doing, they probably have something in policy and they're doing some of this in the organization. Yeah, especially if they have either one or both of uh, business continuity or a crisis management or even just an incident management process of some sort, even if it's not great or has sort of just been sitting on a shelf. It typically is somewhere in there and they, they're testing one of the two. And even if it comes down to just, an, you know, every October we do an annual exercise or every April we do an annual exercise, whatever the case is, they sort of have it at least on their calendar. And so it might not be 
culturally integrated, but it's operationally on the calendar. Mm -hmm. Our next level of maturity, which I would say we see a few, a few, a smaller percentage of organizations at is a managed strategy. And also this is where I think most companies kind of aim to be over time. Yeah. This, this is that there is a, there's a defined strategy for drills and tabletop exercises. There is at least one annual crisis management team exercise. There's a documented process for after action, meaning that you're writing an after action report. Like you can point us to one and you're tracking the action items. You're actually get doing fixed. something about it. And that there are, there's solid metrics and reporting around, you know, whatever the exercise metrics are. Yeah, that whether are in that's place. a survey or participation or things that you're tracking in the after action, you know, those metrics and reporting are, are spelled out and they're, they're talked about, you know, at least annually. And I think, uh, honestly, you know, to your point, Brian, this is really, if organizations can get to here, I think we would, are probably look at this as if you're to a managed strategy, yeah, you're, you're probably good, especially if you're actively working that managed strategy you can aspire to get to a more defined strategy. And, you know, obviously we would always recommend that people keep going and do more. But if you're at least at a managed strategy, you are, you're doing more than the bare minimum, we think, and you're actively doing something about it. You're actively learning throughout the year, whether that's, you know, with the one big sort of exercise and maybe some others sprinkled in or, you know, you have, you know, th this is also a spot where, you know, your technology team might be doing an exercise and your crisis management team might be doing an exercise and your BC program might be doing an exercise and physical security or whomever. They're all doing different exercises. May not even be on the same incident, but everybody's sort of doing stuff and you have kind of the one bigger one. But your organization is exercising and sort of testing and practicing internally and that you really de you've really developed a culture around exercising is really w when you get to manage strategy you're starting you've got a exercise culture in mm -hmm. place but <clears throat> but you can always do more right you can so that takes us to that really takes us to the the defined strategy the the top uh a way that we think about the exercise strategy and so here, um, in a defined exercise model, strategy, I should say, we see simulations incorporated into that exercise strategy, not as a one-off, but they're part of the strategy. We see the crisis management team and the executives practicing in a simulation. And we look for that the exercise strategy is aligned with functional simulations for communication, information security, and other support teams. It doesn't mean that your business continuity and crisis management program have to run those exercises. Correct. But it means that they're exercising and that those that approach is integrated into your overall exercise strategy. And I can't emphasize enough the that this is where simulations really come into play when you have mastered these other things. And you have to simulate and practice handoffs 
between teams because yep. that's where we see the biggest breakdown. It's the handoff between the crisis management team and the executive team of information and decisions and points of escalation if they're not the same team. Yeah. Which they're often not. Well, and to sort of take a, a momentary step back, as, as we look at, you know, what's a tabletop versus a simulation, and we've, we've talked about this in the past, and we have different resources out there for that. But, you know, when we're thinking about that tabletop, it's really a guided kind of conversation amongst all the groups, and everybody's sort of talking about what they would do and talking about how they would do it. And, you know, there's some kind of formality a little bit to it. When we get into the simulation we think of that as you have to now do it. You can't mm-hmm. just talk about what you would do. You have to do it. You have to write the messaging. You have to write the situational update. You have to go brief, to your point, the executive team and in the moments and in the cadence that you would do it in. And so really those simulations now make things real. And they don't have to be overly difficult or complex. You can certainly get there and add difficulty and complexity as you go along and make them more dynamic. But at the very least, the entry-level simulation is really just taking that tabletop and asking people to now do the things they say they're doing. And and that's it. But also getting to what, you know, Brian, you just talked about is getting to those handoffs and actually making them do that means they have to go get the approval. So communications has to draft the message and then maybe they have part of the process, they have to send it to legal and legal's got to sign off on it. Well, now they have to do that. You have to draft it. You have to send it to legal. Legal's now got to approve it. Did it work in the timeline you thought it was going to work in? <clears throat> Did it work the way that you thought it was going to work? And that's really yeah. where you, you make those things real <clears throat> for them so that they can see does this feel right? Does this work? Do we need to refine? Do we need to think about this differently? Do we need other eyes on it? And that's why we think that this kind of simulation is the pinnacle of maturity from an exercise standpoint. Because we can we could cite numerous examples of clients that in a tabletop, man, everything sounded hunky-dory. And it sounded great. You know, like everybody's hey, from everybody's <clears throat> almost perfect. From a communication standpoint, we could yeah, we would, you know, we're gonna execute our comms plan and we're gonna take in the media requests and we're gonna do this and do that and do this. Okay. Now you're in an eight hour long simulation and you've got a phone in front of you and you're a member of the communications team and the phone rings and it's a journalist. And the journalist has the story, right? They know what has happened because somebody leaked it. And they're asking you to comment. And you no comment them. Okay, so in a simulation, the way we play those, that action has consequences. You say, well, no, no no comment. We can't comment on that at this time. Or you don't return the call, which we've seen that happen. Also seen that happen. Well, then 25 minutes later in the simulation, the story breaks on Bloomberg or CNN. Now what do you do? Now what's your response? Because you just screwed the pooch, made a bad call. Or that comms handoff, I don't mean to pick on comms, but you brought it up. Or that comms handoff to get it approved by legal, it takes an hour instead of it taking, you know, you you think that's a 10-minute turnaround. It takes an hour, and they have edits. And comms is waiting for it to give to the reporter. And maybe that reporter is a trusted reporter for them. Right. And now your credibility is on the line in a different way, your professional reputation. So these are the things you can play out in a simulation. You can also, you know, we, tabletops, I think, are just, they're a very linear thing. You go from move one to move two to move three. 
and maybe you inject some stuff along the way, but you're not changing your big moves. But in a simulation with the right facilitator, like Braypath, um, it's like a choose your own adventure novel. And as you make choices, we take you on a different path. Now we're trying to get you somewhere. Yep. Right. But you might take some wrong turns in the process of, of getting there. Yeah. And it's one of those things too, where as you're playing those moments out, the ability for those teams to work together differently, to kind of coalesce in different spaces, whether that's virtually on teams or physically in the rooms, starts to manifest itself in a really productive way, especially if early on everything is kind of broken and the approval processes don't work or, you know, the kind of the intended process doesn't work. I think what we saw, particularly with this client, is the thing that we've sort of been pushing them on to get to, you know, even like a work stream mentality of, hey, you don't have to brainstorm and problem solve in the big group. You can break off. They actually started doing it, yeah, like, did, real, like really, really doing well. it. They did that really and well. And did it on their own without yeah. us even sort of forcing the issue or nudging them in that way. They just they went there finally. And so I think you get to those spots where now people are starting to think beyond their functional space, and they're starting to think about the broader sort of cross-functional deliverables and responsibilities that the group has, not just what they have as a communications person. You have to solve the reputation problem, but you have to do that with comms, legal, customer service, the actual product teams, all these sorts of different players have to come together to solve that problem and they're starting to get there. And that's really where, you know, I think to the last bullet that you you talked about that we have for defined strategy is really the organization will eventually get to, and this is really where this client is getting to and has asked for, is having those moments, those exercise moments, whether it's comms running their own crisis comms exercise and, you know, then their crisis management team running an exercise a few months later, really throughout the year, they've really asked for a scripting of whatever we do throughout the year, there should be some scenario alignment or some capability alignment so that as we get into these different scenarios, we're starting to play together or like they've asked for running them concurrently. Mm -hmm. So run our crisis exercise at the same time that we're running the crisis management exercise, which means punish us, really punish us (laughs) while you're punishing the cross-functional group, like really make us do things. And I think when you get to that spot where all these teams are asking for alignments around scenarios or capabilities or really testing a thing that they can then, sort of practice, refine, then go into the bigger exercise and practice again, you're really ta- you're talking about a big cultural shift and a really engaged culture around trying to get better at these things, which means their ability to respond to small things, big things is has really come a long way in the years that we've been doing this. Mm-hmm. I mean, Think about picking on this particular client, but like when I first started with Brightpath, you know, I was just on a, I was on the telephone, like yelling at the general counsel for, you know, different things. And, you know, there was sort of like, oh, we don't know what to do. And now it's to the point where they just handle it. 
they just handle it. They do it. You know, and in some cases they expect it, which was kind of fun. This time we got to throw them. Some we did something different. Yeah. And then didn't even do anything more with it. And, it, yeah. you know, it kind of makes them scratch their head a little yeah. bit. The the thing that um, the thing that I think is just really the thing that I like to ponder from what you just said. I'm not sure we would have helped get them there without doing simulations. Oh, yeah. Right. Because I don't think the ta- I mean, the table flats we were doing with them were good. But I don't think I think the best growth they've had as a crisis team has come from doing the simulations. Yep. Because they, I think they've learned a lot from that, and they've taken the feedback to heart. And we can see it in how the incident leader address handled this incident in terms of work streams and workflows and kind of sub working groups in a very different way than they had in years past. I thought it was impressive. Well, and it's it's one of those things where, you know, as we sort of think about it, the tabletops are really around building confidence mm-hmm. and team cohesion, mm-hmm. you know, and you can run that within a particular team or you can, you should run that very early on with your crisis management teams. Mm-hmm. But to your point, Brian, the real growth is that simulation yeah. where now they have that confidence, they have that familiarity, but now you're sort of putting them in the chaos and making them yep. work their way through. So that's our take on exercise maturity and a maturity model. You can grab the one-page exercise maturity model as a PDF uh, off of our website. There's a link in the show notes for this week's episode. That's it for this edition of the Managing Uncertainty podcast. We'll be back next week with another new episode. Be well.